Welcome back to The Breakfast Show. You're here with Lyle and Mon. And, and Mon is busily having breakfast on The Breakfast Show. Well, it's, it is The Breakfast Show, Lyle. <laughs> I can see your bowl in the corner over there too. That's right. I'm absolutely. A, I'm a bit mush mouth because I had a sultana. I got stuck on my tooth. So usually, <laughs> usually I don't sound like this. <laughs> That's right. Hey, we've got another clue. Do we have another clue for our quiz or not? Wouldn't that be horrible if I said no? <laughs> of course we have another clue. No, that's all right. You can say no. I don't mind. I've already got it. Yeah, oh, actually, I haven't seen you written it. Right oh, down. Okay, okay, okay. You right. might be wrong. We haven't tested you out yet. <laughs> Let's give that a try. Uh, yeah, you got it. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> so Lyle knows the answer. Let me give you the mm, one, two, three, fourth clue. What book am I? This book tells that people were robbing God in their tithes and offerings. Mm. Uh, I can give you chapter and verse on that one as yeah, well. No, no, I don't need. I don't need chapter. I don't need verse. I just need the book. If you know the name of the book, give me a call one eight hundred Faith FM. I will send you the prize if you can get it right this morning. Mm, there you go. But anyway, time for our twenty million movement. This is also known as the Italian book. Oh, psh, psh, psh. What? What? Wow, you and your bonus clues. <laughs> Goodness me. <laughs> okay, so what are we talking about this morning? We're talking about, well, we're up to Encounter with God. Uh, we're up to Encounter with God and we're doing the study on oneness in Christ, yes. which is um, yeah, a wonderful theme that we're exploring for the next, oh, to the end of the year, I guess. Yeah. Yesterday we looked at racism mm-hmm. and this was racism where there was only one race. Which is just crazy. But they spoke different languages. Same race, different languages. Nothing seems si- sillier than like a civil war. Like, sure, go to war against other countries, but fighting amongst yourselves? Like, come on now. <laughs> it just it just seems something stupid about it. Uh, it does indeed. It yeah. does indeed. We laugh about it, but it, and fi- unfortunately it becomes a very real thing, but it is absolutely ridiculous. It's true. Before we go there, we do have a prayer request that has come in. We're going oh, to excellent. just take this prayer request. This is um, for a young man named Choi. Uh, in the Philippines. Okay. So I didn't know we had listeners in the Philippines. Well, we have listeners everywhere because we, we're on digital radio. So um, yeah. yeah. Joy is suffering from uh, a very nasty melanoma. They, they have no money for medication and some money was sent via phone transfer. I'm just sort of scanning through the details of it here very quickly and the money went missing somewhere in the ether of zeros and ones. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, just a, um, a very serious situation. We're, we're going to stop a moment. We're going to pray for Joy. Okay, let's do it. Father, we pray for Choi. We pray for his family. We pray for the medical professionals looking after him. We pray that you'll bring him healing. We pray that you'll provide the finances that he needs uh, to be able to deal with this very serious situation at this time. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, yeah, we love it when our uh, listeners let us know what uh, their needs are in their lives so that we're actually able to um, take it to the Lord in prayer and and to pray for them here on Faith FM, and we can continue to do so in our group prayers as well. Yes, while we're off air, indeed. Okay, so that was uh, that was uh, one thing that came through. Another message that uh, just coming through here. Let me just see what this one says. Um, comment uh, question on what Lyle was. Sp- saying, uh, speaking in, uh, regarding speaking in tongues. Oh, yeah, that's from yesterday. But yeah, let's, let's talk yep. about that. Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and he didn't speak in, in quotation marks, babble. Does that mean that he wasn't really baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, I think when you've got a situation where the Holy Spirit actually visibly descends on you in the form of a dove, Mm -hmm. I don't think you can deny that Jesus was baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he certainly never spoke in uh, any language other than Aramaic that we know of. Yeah, that's right. He certainly never spoke in any unknown language. Um, he didn't communicate with his father in an unknown language when he prayed. He prayed in the language that the people could understand. 
And so we find, no, he did not speak in an unknown babble um, whatsoever at all. This is unknown to the New Testament and is a relatively modern thing that has come about uh, through various parts of the charismatic movement in the last hundred years or so. And we should be. It did exist outside of Christianity, as we mentioned yesterday. It did exist outside of Christianity previous mm-hmm. to that. Now, some people, sorry, Mon, hold that, yeah, hold on, that comment because I want to come back to it. Um, some people have come to me on occasions and say, unless you have spoken in tongues, you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But when I read my Bible, I find that my Bible says that there are a lot of different gifts of the Holy Spirit, and it's the Holy Spirit who decides which gift you get. You do not get to decide which gift you get. There's no verse anywhere in Scripture that says that everybody who is baptized with the Holy Spirit is going to get the gift of tongues or the gift of languages, which is the actual correct uh, translation of the passage. We've just sort of adapted it and maintained the, the 1611 English there. Mm-hmm. But in modern in modern language, you just translate it languages. These are just different languages. That, yeah, that, it's very you know, It's the gift of language. And the, the gift of languages has never been taken away. People still get the gift of languages and they go and preach in other languages and they you know, preach different cultures and so forth um, in a way that is supernatural, truly supernatural. It boggles my mind that the verse is actually quite simple and yet as per usual, we humans have totally butchered it and made a mess of it and misunderstood it and have created like a whole false doctrine out of it, really. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, of course, the devil loves to get hold of those kind of things, latch onto it, and uh, just run with it like crazy. Yeah, and, look, you know, like, like you said, there's no record of, ever, of Jesus ever speaking in an unknown babbling language when he was here. And we should be so grateful for that. And we he, should be yeah. so grateful that our God came to earth, took on the form of a man, and communicated to us in a way we can understand. And that he never babbled incoherently. He never, you know, did any weird languages on us. He always spoke to us in a way that we could understand. And this is one of the things that I find, you know, with some of these more extreme charismatic churches where you go and it's just, you know, there's a riot taking place is that the non-believer walks in and just shakes his head and is like, what on earth kind of weirdo stuff is going on here? Jesus never did that. You're creating a barrier. And if Jesus walked into our studio here this morning and sat down in the interview chair over there, he would just speak to us. He would just communicate to us in a language that we know and understand. He wants us to English, get to know him. English, in other words. <clears throat> yeah, he we use English in the studio, so he would use English. Yeah, God craves a relationship with us. So why would he hinder that by having you know, a massive language barrier in the, in the mix. Or making himself look strange in a spectacle. Yeah, that's right. This was something, you know, being a spectacle was something that Jesus always avoided. Mm. You know, he had the opportunity to jump off the, the, the highest pinnacle of the temple and for the angels to catch him and to do a great spectacle there in front of everybody and he avoided the spectacle. He did not come to be a spectacle. Yeah. This is this is not what religion is all about. This is not what Jesus was all about. This is this is uh, you know, a very modern version of oh, we need to uh, create a spectacle, turn ourselves into celebrities, whatever, act in a strange way to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be connected with God. No, you don't. You need to go get on your knees and quietly pray with God and communicate with him in a language that you both understand. Mm. He wasn't attention seeking. This whole this whole false doctrine of the of the speaking in an unknown language, that that form of speaking in tongues is it's just not in line with god's character and who jesus is yeah Yeah. anyway we need to get back to our bible study which is all about acts chapter 10 why don't we go to acts chapter 10 one of my favorite stories in the book of acts oh really okay so yesterday we talked about racism where there was not even different races which is just crazy yeah because our study is about unity and then nothing creates disunity faster than racism. Yeah, it's like when I grew up in Tasmania. 
and I, and I was and I was I was from the south, <laughs> and the south of Tasmania was where it was all happening. And and, and those northerners, you know, they were just like uh, just but behind a, the times. There's a little bit of like mainland Australian versus Tasmanian Australians as well, isn't there? <laughs> uh, it's, 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 it's that interesting thing that you actually get where um, it's the little dog syndrome. Uh-huh, is what it is. Yeah. It's the little dogs. You know how the little dog has to bark louder yes, and, yeah. and make more noise than everybody else because mm-hmm. he's feeling insecure. Mm-hmm. So you get this between Tasmania and Australia and the mainland, where you know when we do something better than the mainland down in Tasmania, we we, we make sure everybody know about it. Oh, absolutely, for years. and then you get the same thing between New Zealand and Australia. Mm-hmm. You know when when the new, when the Kiwis beat us in the. Uh, in the in the rugby or whatever, they'll they'll crow about Everybody it long and loud because uh-huh. you got the little big uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. syndrome, and then of course um, we won't talk about the cricket with our New Zealand uh-huh. friends, but <laughs> please no. <laughs> but then we do it in relationship to the United States. We do, don't we? You know, the US is pumping Absolutely. out so much amazing technology, doing so many amazing mm-hmm. research and all this kind of thing, and when we find our one little thing where we did better than them, it's uh-huh. like yes, uh-huh. we did it. It's We're so better true. than them, and they're like, oh, how cute. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Uh, So much fun. Yeah, but um, but at least it's not it's not mean spirited racism. No, that's right. That's right. It's all just it's just all done in good fun, and Mm -hmm. that it's that little tinge of of insecurity that we know that we're smaller, Mm -hmm. so we've got to make every opportunity make the most. We know we're the small Chihuahua dog. We know (laughs) it's us. (laughs) We're the little yappy lap dog. <laughs> uh, good fun, good fun. Okay, but they had racism back then in mm-hmm. the early church, and this is this is important for us to understand because it shows that you know when you see it in our churches today, it just means that we're human beings. We're not any different from any other you know group of human beings that has ever existed before, and that doesn't make it right. That means we've got to solve it. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Yeah, so I think their racism was a little bit like the racism we had in Tasmania between North and South, um, where, it was all the, where it was all the same race. I haven't heard of this North and South Tasmanian, but is it like Launceston versus Hobart kind of stuff? Oh, absolutely, because Launceston okay, is kind okay. of the northern capital, uh-huh, uh-huh. and uh, but Hobart is the actual capital. Yeah, I see, you know, I all see. All the southerners out there, this is just like you know, facing reality here. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I see, I didn't know there was that kind of, I didn't know there was that kind of beef happening in Tasmania. It's because you didn't grow up there. Yeah, but my parents have lived there now for about five years and they did just move from south of Hobart to south of Launceston, so I guess they've just uh, switched they've, teams. They, they have gone over to the they've dark abdicated. side. Of, of what it, <laughs> it's just terrible, isn't it? Oh, uh, dear. Uh, Tasmania, we love you either which way, the top and the bottom. We always used to talk about which, which river was more polluted, the Tamar or the or the or the um, or the Derwent. <laughs> I've never heard of either of those rivers. <laughs> uh, dear, you need to spend more time with your parents. You need to go and visit. Well, when them I often. visit them, I'm, I'm there visiting them. I'm not visiting the rivers, you know, and <laughs> checking pollution yes, levels. You, I think there was a story in uh, in the news this morning about um, Blackman's Bay, and you can't go swimming in Blackman's Bay because of the level of pollution there at the oh, moment. Really? Yeah, that's on the Derwent River. And in Tasmania, Tasmania seems so pristine compared to everywhere else. Yes, there was, there has been some heavy industry um, that was based down there because of cheap electricity because um, the whole state was running off renewable. 
okay. renewables for mm-hmm. you know, uh, most of its history, mm-hmm. and that attracted some some heavy industry that that did yeah kind of wreck the Derwent River. Oh, okay, that's a and, shame. And uh, a lot of areas out and around the Derwent were not so good either. Mm-hmm. It's very unhealthy. One of the one of the most polluted rivers in the world. Apart from that, you know, um, pretty much you know when we went hiking, you go hiking in Tasmania. We never took water. You never. Oh, really? Water. Really? Okay. You okay. carry a cup. Again, you carry a cup. You do. You never carry water. <laughs> <laughs> Who would carry water? I mean, yeah. You know, you go fishing or something or other, and you just like dip out of the river and <laughs> away you go. It's incredible to think that that's how our world began. Our world began in such a way that we never had to think about, you know, where we're getting our water from. We could just walk up to the nearest body of water and just drink. We had a drought one year, and of course, the water trucks were running hard, and they'd just back up to the river, pump it into the water truck, you oh, know, really? and then pump it into your tank. <laughs> There you go. That's all it was. <laughs> so once you get above the rapids, you're into uh, yeah, pristine, clean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. water, tannin stained. Yeah, looks like oh, the yes. color of yeah. um, beer, I guess, uh-huh. because uh-huh. it's deeply tannin stained, but uh, a good flavor. <laughs> a nice tannin. No, it has taste. that rainforest flavor. To yeah. I'm, I'm serious. I actually know exactly what you're talking about because where I lived before I moved up here um, to Newcastle for Faith FM, uh, we would often run out of water in our water tank, and so we'd just fill it up from the little dam down the road. And, uh, from, from the little dam down the road? Literally, literally would, down a dirt road. You would drink from the little dam down the road? Um, Yeah. <laughs> and shower what? in it and bathe in it. And I kid you not, Lyle, like, what? We would run, I'd run a bath. Okay, we, this is a pristine river flowing out of World Heritage Rainforest compared to the little dam down the yeah, road. Yeah, it was pretty sketchy. That's Maybe so that explains sketchy. a few things. But yeah, we used to, I used to run a bath and then like after the water went out, I'd have to scrub the tub because the tub would be brown. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just not even going to go there. I'm just, just not even going to go there with what that's going to do to your digestive system. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm still here. I'm still surviving. So they, they do use clay for some remedies, I guess. So you've probably got a good lining of clay all through your gut. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I ran a successful Airbnb out of the same house, and people people were happily taking tub bathtubs full of dirty water. And you were like one of the highest rated Airbnbs, highest rated area. Airbnb. Yeah, 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 six time super host. Um, but. I I, uh, I did provide bottled water, and I, I always said to them, "Look, you know, we run off, you know, rainwater and dam water, so the water is a bit discoloured, but it's it's safe. We all drink it, and nothing's happened to us." <laughs> this is, that was my this disclaimer. Is, this is how you. This is how you. This is a great way of testing water quality. Yeah, we've all drunk it, and nobody's Everyone's dead. dead. <laughs> <laughs> We're all growing third eyes in a second. <laughs> Second thumb on our left hand. We're all finer than that. <laughs> anyway, we're so off track. <laughs> we're getting a message from our producer, Encounter with God, question mark. <laughs> yes. Uh, it was good fun though. Why were we even talking about water? Racism. Racism. Yeah, That's right, racism. Uh, okay, so now we get to racism in the Bible. There is racism between actual races. Yeah. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Gotcha. Yes, Acts chapter 10. And why don't you start for us in verse 1. Give us the first three verses. <coughs> Excuse me. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the... <coughs> of the band called the Italian Band. I have no idea where she's up to. I'm just quoting it from memory right here. Sorry, a devout man. <coughs> he was and a captain day- of the Italian regiment. 
Italian regiment, but was what it was called. He was a devout God fearing. I was man. the Italian band. It was Italian regiment, whatever. Okay. Italian band sounds like he was like you know playing a trombone or something. Okay. He I'm, was. A I de- memorized it out of the old old English. He was a devout God fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming towards him. Cornelius, the angel said. Okay, so Cornelius is there. He is a devout person, a servant of God. And this is interesting because I think sometimes we look back on you know the first century and we assume that all of the people who were followers of Yahweh mm. and who worshipped Yahweh were all Jewish people. We do. When you actually go back through the history, you're going to find that there were many, many non-Jewish people who were followers of Yahweh from many different parts of the world. So the knowledge of God was not restricted to the nation of Israel. It was just the nation of Israel was the nation. So, for instance, you can go all the way back to the time of Moses. Oh, really? And you've got you know, Moses leading the children out of Israel. We'll think about this. Mm-hmm. Moses' father-in-law, Jethro. Yeah. You know, he was yeah. a black man. He was a black man. Yeah, he was point. a follower of Yahweh. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, Balaam who comes from Mesopotamia, so he's somewhere in Iran, Iraq, somewhere within that region. He's a follower of Yahweh. Not only is he a follower of Yahweh, but he is a prophet of God. Mm. Um, and, you know, there's every you know, Jethro was a priest of God. You know, when you, when you start to put all of this together, you find that there's a whole untold story out there that we're probably not going to learn about until eternity of people who were true followers of God and worshippers of Yahweh all over the world. And, of course, I'm using the word Yahweh, the name Yahweh here to differentiate you know, the God of Israel from the various gods that um, the nations roundabout served. And so you've got this uh, situation here where you've got Cornelius. He is not the only person. There are others who are followers of God. You I wonder know, how they heard about it. That you know within this within this uh, within the Acts story, um, or the Ethiopian eunuch, for instance, he, he's coming up yeah, regularly true. to worship in Jerusalem. Wasn't he studying the scriptures or something? The yeah. scroll, yeah, yeah. And uh, when you get somebody like this, of course, they would worship in the te- temple, but they would worship in the court of the Gentiles, and there was a large wall that you could not cross if you were a Gentile. You just couldn't go past that wall. And one of the things that Jesus did. Uh, came down to do was to uh, tear down the wall of petition, as Paul states it. It's incredible to think that the Jews had made, <clears throat> you know, such a such a a block between the two the two parties, and they, they it would have really put a bad taste in people's mouths. But they loved God so much; these Gentiles, they still chose it's to in, worship. It's incredible yeah. that people were still drawn to God, mm-hmm. even though there was this level of racism. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it tells you something about the power of God's love. And the power of God's character in compared to the other gods out there in the world, because this was a period in which, you know, religion was very national. Mm. You know, if you were if you were Roman, as this as this guy was, you would worship Greek gods. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were Egyptian, you would worship Egyptian gods. If you were from Spain, you'd worship Spanish gods. If you were Frankish, you'd wor- worship Frankish gods, and, and so forth. I wonder if they knew or German. Yeah, German gods. I wonder if they knew that the Jews were stuffing it up, that the Jews were supposed to be, you know, evangelizing essentially and using their position to reach and teach other people. And they realized that the Jews were instead bogarting, basically. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. And the other thing that's interesting is, is, and it gives you a little bit of a clue, a little bit of a hint, you know, where Jesus talks, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll cross, um, you know, mountains, rivers, seas, whatever, to try and make one proselyte, and then you'll make him twice the servant of Satan that you are already. Mm. Uh, clearly there was an, a, uh, at some level, there was some kind of proselytization, which is another word for evangelism that was taking place by the Jewish nation. There must have been some that were, some of them that were getting it right. Yes, there must have been some that were getting it right. And there's also some that were stating that they were into evangelism, but getting it drastically wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they might, you know, be like profess evangelism, like yes, we love to go out and win souls for God, but getting it terribly, terribly wrong. So there was some kind of, of proselytization. This is Keith and Kristen Getty. My worth is not in what I own, not in the strength. Flesh and bone, but in the costly wounds of love at the cross. My worth is not in skill or name, in win or lose, in pride or shame, but in the blood of.
wonders here that I confess My worth and my unworthiness My value fixed, my ransom paid At the That was Keith and Kristen Getty with uh, my, my Worth Is Not In What I Own here on Faith FM. We've got another clue for the quiz. Nobody snapped up this quiz yet. Come on, guys. The Italian yeah. book of the Bible. Which one is it? Stop saying that. You're going to confuse people. The only thing is like, <laughs> the only thing is Romans. It's not Romans. It's not Romans. See? See what I mean? That's the first thing you think of when someone says Italian book. Okay, it's got nothing to do with Italy whatsoever at all. Don't listen to Lyle. Listen to me. You ready? I'm going to give you another clue. It's, it's, a proper it's, clue. It's, 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 it's the Italian book of the Bible in the same way that Hebrews is the New Zealand book of the Bible. Yeah, Hebrews. Yeah. Oh, Hebrews. <laughs> okay. So that's, that's, that's what he means by that. Don't think it's nothing to do with Italy, actually. Okay, so this is the last clue. What book am I? My book ends with the word curse. That's a pretty easy one to figure out. Just you know, quickly flick through your 66 books of the Bible and look for the one that finishes with the word curse. And then give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. We'll send you the prize. 1-800-324-843 is the number. Prize coming your way this morning. Plus bragging rights. Oh, yeah, big time. Okay, so we were talking about racism here a little while ago and we were... Uh, Looking at the uh, story of the uh, Roman army officer Cornelius. Cornelius and talking about proselytes and evangelism and soul winning amongst the Jewish nation. So obviously some Jews were actually uh, yeah, evangelizing. Yeah, they, they had actually figured it out. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, and they were just getting it done. Yep. Right, and as a result, we have these Gentiles who believes. And Cornelius is in. The, he, he he is a believer. He's in his house. It's the middle of the day. He's praying. This new religion has sprung up. It's called Christianity. It is seen as a version of Judaism, and so as a uh, proselyte, he's considering: okay, which way do I go now? Uh, do I become a Christian? Do I follow this kind of Judaism, or do I follow the other kinds of Judaism that are already in existence? And so we've got all the, you know, does, does he follow the Sadducees? Does he follow the, follow the Pharisees? Does he follow the Christians? Which, which way does he go? Lots of question marks there. You can understand why he would be in the middle of his house praying for light, for truth, for knowledge, for understanding. And an angel turns up, and I love this story because imagine, Mon, if you were in your house, you had all these questions, and an angel, angel turned, turned up. up. Yeah, I'd be floored. I'd yes. be absolutely floored. You would be super excited that um, here was somebody who had turned up to share with you the... Uh, 
message of God. Hey, can I just ask you? So, you know, Cornelius is here praying for light, right? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people would, you know, if they had a question about religion and what they believe in, which direction to go, a lot of people would think, do you know what? Um, let me go to the synagogue and ask one of the church leaders, you know, one of the synagogue leaders. So was that not an option for him? Was Because he was a Gentile, would, you know, the Pharisees and Sadducees, so they, would they not interact with him? Yeah, it's a really good question. They did interact with Gentiles. They had to be able to interact with Gentiles. There was a cleansing process that they went through after they had interacted with Gentiles, depending on what level of interaction that was. Had they gone under the Gentiles' roof? Had they gone into his home? Had they eaten food with him? Um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, there was certainly opportunity for him to talk to uh, Jewish people and to get, um, you know, to, and to learn spiritual things, for sure. But it wasn't as simple and straightforward as you might just, you know, assume it, it could have been. So, okay, okay. Yeah. Anyway, but an he, angel turns up. Yeah, which you, we can understand why he's praying then. Yeah, you know. He's pretty excited. Mm-hmm, yeah. In fact, he's a little bit scared. I think I might be a little bit scared too because, like, wow, here's somebody who's turned up direct from the throne of God. Amen. And so God has done something for Cornelius that he has not done for, you know, pretty much anybody else out there. He has commissioned an angel to fly from heaven. I don't know whether he's done it for you, Mon, but he hasn't done it for me. Uh, specifically in answer to his request, and the angel has physically appeared to him um, and audibly spoken to him. Now, if I was Cornelius at this particular t- point, I would be yeah a little bit uh, a little bit intimidated. Yeah, for sure. Um, because I mean, we are surrounded by angels all the time. We just don't get to see them all the time, and now we can actually see one who is talking to him audibly. I would be intimidated, but at the same time, I would be deeply excited because I'm like, okay, I'm going to get the ultimate explanation here, an explanation in answer to my questions that comes directly from the throne of God. Yeah, this is going to be like a watertight explanation. This is going to be the gospel message from a sinless being. You know, that's got to be that's got to be an awesome, um, that's got to be a, a, a really truly awesome explanation right there from a from a sinless being. However, this sinless being who has flown all the way from heaven has made the effort to be there in answer to Cornelius's request says nothing. About the gospel message. <laughs> what? He says nothing about the gospel message. Nothing whatsoever at all. In fact, why don't you read for us uh, verse 5 and 6, and, and these, these are the words of the angel. 5 and 6 says, Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. Okay, so who does he... Oh, and... Um, yeah, and, and he will. My, my translation finishes in verse six. He says, and he will tell you what you ought to do or what you need to know. So he basically defers. He defers to Peter. Mm-hmm. Seriously, Peter. I have a let's, let's, suspicion. Let's, let's I think know about what's this. Let's here. think about this. Let's think about Peter. Who, what what is Peter renowned for? Losing his temper. <laughs> Losing his temper. What else is he renowned for? Being rough and and hating on the Gentiles. Uh, hating on people. What else is he renowned for? Uh, denying Christ, <laughs> y- using foul language, uh-huh. and denying Jesus to his face. That's right. At his most uh, vulnerable time. Uh, what else is he renowned for? Um, he, he doesn't he like he's pretty. He renounces contact with Gentiles, right? Yes, that's further on in the story. Yeah, for sure he does. He, um, yeah, absolutely. So Peter is the kind of person who acts first, 
Think Slater. Think Slater. Yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely in that category, right? This is just his personality. Yeah. Shoot he first, is, questions later. <laughs> he is a man of action, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not a man of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the only one of the disciples that Jesus called Satan. <laughs> <laughs> That's some pretty powerful statements there from God himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, um, and 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 of course, you know, you can go on and on down through the the, the life of Peter, and and pretty much what is recorded is Peter's stuff ups. Yes, <laughs> it's true, isn't you know, it? Peter goes and walks on water, and then Peter he thinks sinks. that's pretty cool, and so then he sinks, and Jesus has to rescue him. It just goes mm-hmm, on and on mm-hmm. and on. How many times are we going to find Peter's stuff ups? And so he's like this lovable, bumbling disciple who uh, seems to be always in trouble. And so why would you why would you send somebody? I'll go and get Peter to tell you the gospel. You know, I know, you know, I'm a sinless perfect human uh, 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 angelic being, not a human being, an angelic being. Um, and I could give you a perfect rendition of the gospel. Why does the angel defer to Peter? Look, the only reason why Peter would be getting involved is because Peter needs to be taught a lesson of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> this is not for not for not so much for Cornelius' benefit, but for, but for Peter's benefit. I mean, Cornelius here sounds like a good dude. Yeah, <laughs> so it's could it be something to do with Peter? Absolutely. We're going to find more about that as we go through this story. We might act, we're actually going to finish this story tomorrow because oh, this is like okay, the yep, best yep, story yep. ever. Yeah, it's a good we're story. We're starting to run short on time because we did spend too much time distracted. Yeah, talking about racism in Tasmania. <laughs> Let's not go back there. Um, <coughs> but uh, we, uh, we're talking about the... Um, what were, you got me lost now because you've distracted me on what we were distracted about. I think about we're now. actually going to go to a song now. Uh, let's have Alison Brooke with the song No Words. This is a beautiful song and a very interesting one to listen to the lyrics. Enjoy this one. And uh, we'll be back actually later with the song uh, about racism, I do believe, about Martin Luther. Oh, cool. Wonderful. The swirling darkness bearing down Of God the smile turned to a frown The weight of sin, the bitter cup of woe The dregs he drank that choked his cry As even Jesus asked God No words for this, for it is burned. 
enjoy fantastic food, fun, friends and fellowship? Sure do. Then join us at the Philos Food Hub. For $5, you can receive a large food pack with free fruit and veggies thrown in and a complimentary breakfast as well. Wow. Where? At the Adventist Church on Newcastle Road, Walls End, number 63. Is that the big iconic A-frame church near the roundabout? Sure is, and it starts 10am every Thursday. Great. I'll see you there.
You were listening to Chris Winnegar. Oh, how I love Jesus here on Faith of M. It's time for question of the day. What have we got for us, Mon? Yes, so we have a question come through. Excuse me. Sorry, I've got a lot of stuff in my throat today. Uh, We have a question come through. It's a very interesting one, actually, Lyle. Um, Question being, what is the difference between baptism and christening? Oh, that's a really good question. Mm. Okay, so let's uh, look at uh, maybe a little bit of the history of christening to see where it came from. So christening basically is where you take a small amount of water, um, just drops really on the on the ends of your fingers, and sprinkle it on the forehead of a baby. That's the typical way that christening will go. Baptism, in contrast to that, is where you take um, a, an older person, not a baby, um, a child or an adult of the age of reason, and you immerse them completely underneath the water. So let's just look at it very quickly, I guess, um, at some Bible verses on this. Uh, maybe we'll go to uh, the baptism of Jesus in Matthew chapter 3. Uh, Matthew chapter, let me just flick over there very quickly. <coughs> Because if you follow the example of Jesus, of course, you can't go wrong. The Bible says, but uh, Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I need to be baptized of you. Why are you coming to me? Jesus answered, allow it to happen, so uh, for thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. And he allowed him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight away out of the water. So this is very, very clear that when Jesus Jesus was baptized, he went down into the water. And when that baptism had taken place, he immediately came back up out of the water. So he's down in the water, he comes back up out of the water. Uh, that's a process of immersion. The word baptize or baptizo, the Greek version of it, simply means to immerse. It has no other meaning whatsoever at all. It never refers to a partial you know, application of water in any way, shape or form. Um, if you go over to Mark, Mark is even clearer on this subject. Mark chapter 1, the Bible says in verse 9 that Jesus came to John to be baptized of him in the Jordan River, not beside it, not near it, but in it, and straight away coming up, up out of the water. So once again, you've got this, you know, he was down in the water, he's coming up out of the water. We could look at a multitude of verses on this. It's a subject on which the Bible is abundantly clear. Sprinkling or uh, what we call christening is found nowhere in Scripture, not a single solitary reference to it in either Scripture or the Church Fathers or ancient history or anything otherwise. So you might be wondering, what is the origin of christening? Christening was a pagan uh, practice that was being carried out for many times, you know, many different ways previous to the time of Jesus. And if we look at some of the different, uh, different ways that it used to take place, um, it was associated with the worship of the mother and child. So you'd have a you know a statue of the mother and child, and of course, of course, this was uh, Ishtar and her son Tammuz. Um, and the priests would, you know, in the worship of Mithra, for instance, which was another version of this, they would walk through the temple. They would be carrying a statue of the mother and child, and they would sprinkle holy water on the people who were there in the temple. You'd often have a bowl in the shape of a scallop shell at the door of the pagan temple where worshippers could dip their fingers in, they could make the sign of the cross, they could sprinkle water and so forth. And this was supposedly holy water that was at the beginning of the temple. So these are things that are deeply rooted in uh, paganism. Now, worshippers of Mithra, uh, which was very common in the first century, used to brush um, or wipe holy water on children at a naming ceremony. And this was at the eighth day for boys and at the ninth day for girls. And so this is this is really where the origin of christening came from. 
And wherever you had the worship of the mother and child, you had this um, this sprinkling symbol. The Persians would use a, a branch of laurel to sprinkle the water on. Um, Hindus would sprinkle three times before death, so they'd do it at the other hand, other end, and mark on the forehead with the name of God. Mexicans sprinkled at birth, and an, and an unsprinkled child was considered to be unclean. We could go on and on and on down through. And it wasn't until the fourth and fifth centuries that this practice actually crept into Christianity. And the reason that it crept into Christianity, oh, I'm running out of time. I'll have to talk more about it tomorrow. However, that's okay. Yeah, let's, let's take a little bit more time on this. Let's take a little bit more time. The reason it crept into Christianity was because of the doctrine of original sin. The doctrine of original sin was invented by St. Augustine, and it taught that you are guilty for what Adam did. And so therefore, you know, in their minds, if, if a child is born guilty, then that child is born condemned to hellfire and that child needs to be saved. And so um, as a result of that, they would um, sprinkle the child, baptize it as soon as it was born so that if it dies, you know, high, high child mortality rate in those days, that it could be saved because they're thinking, well, it's guilty for what Adam did. Uh, therefore, we need to cleanse it somehow with this sprinkling procedure. That doctrine is found nowhere in Scripture. Uh, the doctrine of original sin simply does not exist in the Bible. You are not held guilty for what someone else has done. You are guilty for what you have done. And the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so what we find very simply is that in the Bible, uh, baptism is what is taught. Sprinkling is not taught. Uh, pouring with a cup is not taught. Uh, pouring with a bowl is not taught. Um, christening is not taught and if you would like to do something with your child when your child is newly born you want to have a special ceremony for your child this is what the Bible does teach the Bible does teach that we should have a um, a dedication service and this is where you take your child and you dedicate that child to God uh, to be a servant of God and that's a really special thing that you can do with your children uh, that is biblical that's in the Bible uh, we should do that rather than having a, uh, a, a christening um, service. So does christening actually have no spiritual impact on the baby whatsoever? None. Zero. Okay. It gets a little bit of water on its forehead and that's it. It's just a, a wet forehead. The baby gets a little bit wet. Yeah. yeah. It's, okay. the same with, it's the same with baptism, but the difference with baptism is that you know, if you are baptized as a non-believer, you are a wet non-believer. <laughs> but because you're an adult and you can make a decision, whereas a baby can't, um, then you uh, can you, you can have, you can make an informed decision right there. In fact, the Bible gives prerequisites for baptism. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we got some time. All right, I'm going to finish up with this. Matthew 28. The Bible says, "Go you therefore and teach all nations, then baptizing them." So you teach first, then you baptize. That's what the Bible teaches. You can't teach a baby. Um, the Bible also has a couple of other passages. Mark 16, verse 16, the Bible says that um, he who believes and is baptized, you need to be taught, you need to believe. Peter says, unless you repent and are baptized, you need to be taught, you need to believe, you need to repent before you sign up for being a follower of Jesus Christ. And so that's what baptism is all about. Thank you so Baby, much. Babies Lyle. can't do that. They can't do any of those three things. If you have a question, give us a call here at um, Faith FM. Our number, of course, is 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. Or you can text 0491064669. Thanks, Lyle. We love hearing uh, your answers. If you have questions, of course, send them in. Lyle will field them all for us. Did you know that God loves you? Yes, He does. Oh, yes, He does. Did you know? 
listening to Carly Fletcher. Yes, he is here on Faith FM. We have come to the end of their show, and at the end of our show, we get to give something away, and this time we have an amazing book to give away with a picture on the front of an electric chair. <laughs> it's an old school electric chair, not even like one of those fancy ones. An old tiny I think the one. old ones look way creepier. They do. Right? They do like a Sinister. Something dental almost about it. <laughs> Anyway, this is a wonderful book. Don't say dental. Well, you You're know. freak me out next time I go to the dentist. Like, oh, is this but an dentist chairs chair? don't look anything like this anymore either. Uh, so this was a wonderful book. It's called God's Holy Word. Is it still worth dying for? So researchers say that at least 10,000 different religions exist religions exist around the world and just one of those christianity is divided further into 34,000 different denominations what a bunch of hodgepodge talk about confusion but the bible only speaks of one god and one church so why do the world's nearly seven billion people worship thousands of gods in tens of thousands of churches a grand effort of god's great enemy is to sow never-ending division and confusion so the devil masterfully counterfeits truth compromises it with error and if necessary frightens god's followers into abandoning their beliefs to save their earthly lives. During what we call the Dark Ages, the enemy used counterfeiting, compromising and frightening tactics to create a whole false system of religion that barely resembled God's original church. This book is going to go through all of that and it's going to talk about some of the champions for truth and, uh, and about his faithful people through the Dark Ages, the Waldensians, the Abig- Abignasis, the Huguenots murdering all those names <laughs> and um, yeah and then the, and then the events of the great Protestant uh, Reformation um, you know Wycliffe Huss Jerome, uh, Jerome uh, Martin Luther and others as well so this is a this is a really fascinating book if you enjoyed the interview today if you enjoyed uh, the Q&D today this is a great book to go along with that give us a call now get a copy of God's Holy Word Is It Still Worth Dying For 1-800-FAITH-FM be the first person to call through now Between the two 
not afraid to call this home And I know that you are too And you fall down in the light In the blinding light And you your crown Win the fight Win the fight Proceeding through every 